Hello, everybody. This is Jordan Pacheco from the Glad Trad Podcast. I hope you're doing well. And just some breaking news that I saw this morning. I saw it first with Kennedy Hall's YouTube channel, but I think that came from LifeSite. But it has happened. The oof itself. Bishop Strickland has been removed, personally removed, by the way, by Pope Francis. And I was kind of reading through a few of the different articles that I have here. I want to read something that His Excellency said to uh, John Henry Weston. And there's going to be an interview about it later proper. But um, Bishop Strickland said this. I stand by all things that were listed as complaints against me. I know I didn't implement Traditionis Custodes, which is the Pope's decree restricting the traditional Latin Mass, because I can't starve out part of my flock. He added, I do it the same way again. I feel very much at peace in the Lord and the truth that he died for. So despite the fact of being 65 years old, because of some sort of grave disobedience that must be the reason, surely, Bishop Strickland has been removed, pretty much effective immediately. And I had a couple of thoughts on this. My first is I wanted to, to demonstrate how fond I am of Bishop Strickland and a couple of things behind the scenes. I've met His Excellency twice, the first at a Soka Gala in Denver last year. And <clears throat> in that time, I was very much impressed upon by um, how clear and direct he was and very much the heart of a pastoral father that he has, a proper spiritual father. And the second time was actually very recently where he appeared on the show that I host, Ask a Priest Live from the Station of the Cross, and was answering questions for the faithful callers who were calling in, just about any sort of topic regarding theology and morality, these sorts of things. This was fresh off the heels of his visit, his papal visit. We know how that goes historically. But it was a, a very great episode, and His Excellency is very knowledgeable. He's also very warm, um, approachable. And I've since then had the ability to have a couple or a priest on the show who uh, is in his diocese and who talks about how one of the things that impressed him about Bishop Strickland the most was um, you could find him early in the mornings in his church praying before the bureaucratic mess of the day as a bishop. And that made a great impression upon him. That makes a great impression upon me, especially because we think of bishops not so much as spiritual leaders, but kind of as bureaucratic pencil pushers for the diocese a lot of times. Actually, I was going to have him on the show here. I'm still going to. Um, we were supposed to come on in December. Hopefully, I can move that up. Not so much to talk about just this very recent sort of unfortunate controversy. Real genuine scandal, I think. But I want to know more about him, his approach to Catholicism, what it's like to run his diocese, which is one of the hot spots in this nation state, which is probably why the Holy Father doesn't like it that much. That leads me to my second point, and this is kind of the more concrete one. I've been very open about this, and I'm going to continue to be very open about this because it does not make me a bad Catholic. I acknowledge Pope Francis as Pope. He has the right to do this in terms of how the church is governed, sure. But that doesn't make him a good Pope. I think Pope Francis is a bad Pope. Now, I don't judge that off of, I know that there's questions on is he a material heretic? Is he even the Pope? That's not what I'm basing it off of. See, there have been over 250 great holy popes. Well, <laughs> you mean you could break down how many of them were good and holy, but there have been 250 plus popes before him. And we can judge how good or bad a pope is based upon those men. 
So let me give you an example. If Pope Francis wasn't Pope Francis, if he was Father Jorge, Society of Jesus, and he had his parish down the road there, you and I, none of us would go to his mass. We would say, there is this South American priest who does really weird things. He has these long homilies in which it seems like a lot of sophistry. But then he turns around and he's just very, very mean to the tradition of the church. He talks about trads as having this love of lace, which is really for their grandmother and having this sort of mental illness. And he decries the wearing of long cassocks. And he talks about the love of young people, but he doesn't seem to have any interest in young people discovering the traditional Latin mass or traditional forms of piety. He one year had this naked statue, this horrible, horrible naked statue on his altar, which he insisted was the Virgin Mary. And then he kind of called it a Pachamama. And people said that sounds a little pagan, Father Jorge. And he said, well, you're pagan. And overall, I don't think that it's good parish for the salvation of souls. He doesn't seem to be very interested in that. He has a lot of interfaith dialogue stuff going on. It's like the 70s came to life. Bishop Strickland was removed because he didn't play with a tyrant pope. That happens in history, by the way. And I'm reminded, of course, and people roll their eyes. I think they're actually rolling their eyes less. But if you know just a little bit of the story of Archbishop Lefebvre and what happened exactly after that papal visit and after they delayed the Rome, I should say, delayed the, his, his proper ordination of bishops three times, you get a sense that for, for tyrannical errors in the church, it's better just to try and remove all dissent as fast as you can. While the German church is in soft schism, Bishop Strickland's removal was so important that it had to be done personally. That tells you a lot. That tells you about a lot about the men in charge, doesn't it? Priests need to be judged off the heart, the genuine heart of a father. I think even as trads, we've sometimes forgotten this. When your dad talks about you, you notice how, how good fathers, they don't shut up about their children. They want to know what you're doing. They're so proud of you. When you mess up a little bit, they just want you to come back into the fold. They're not tyrants. Your dad doesn't get drunk and beat you. He's strong. He's masculine. He's kind. He's firm in his beliefs. You know where your father stands on different things, which is why we say, oh, gosh, dad wouldn't like this. Now, if you have an abusive father, you still should love him as your father. But you should be very wary about the sort of nonsense he spews when he's in a drunken stupor. It's a clunky analogy, but this is how I feel regarding Pope Francis, and especially this whole situation. Tristionis Casodes was not made out of love. Samorum Pontificum was made out of love. Samorum Pontificum allowed Catholics of their own volitions to go wherever they needed to be satiated the most. And it gave priests the authority to minister to their flocks without the bureaucracy of bishops. It's ironic to me that Pope Francis talks about the desire of a synodal church, diversifying, right? Democratizing the church. But then it does things like this, which are not born out of love, which are not born out of a pastoral concern for souls and the souls of the faithful, but they are obviously born out of spite, vitriol, an obvious flaunting of a tyrant's decree. These are really harsh words, Jordan. You just need to be obedient. See, the problem with you, Trads, the problem with Bishop Strickland is that he just wasn't obedient. 
What is obedience? Rudy and I had a, had a couple of episodes during COVID about obedience, the limits of obedience. Obedience does not mean that we as Catholics are drones, automatons, mindless beings, lest the Protestants be proven correct. The Pope sneezes and they think it's dogma. We are still men. Men. Flesh and bone and will and intellect endowed by the spirit of God himself, his own image and likeness. Born up through our baptism to become sons and daughters of God. That's what we are. We have reason. We can reason an unjust law. We can reason a petty tyrant. Was Bishop Strickland perfect? Perfect Is Bishop Strickland perfect? Of course not. I'm still suspect that any bishop has a Twitter. But let me tell you this. As fond I am of some of the bishops of Los Angeles, it wasn't them that led that prayer march to protest those drag queen nuns at Dodger Stadium. They didn't show up. That was him. The reason Bishop Strickland is popular is not just because he says things that are generally on our side, quote unquote, but because he seems to genuinely love his parish. I've talked to those who are under him, priests and laity. They love him. He's a good father to them. But that's not what the authorities in Rome care about right now. They are fiddling while Rome burns. But the church is more than a diocese. The church is more than the papacy. The church is more than Rome. All these elements are a part of her. But the church, first and foremost, is the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is his body. And he breaks himself for his bride each and every day. And this is just another example, I think, of this grand chastisement that we are due for our sins, for our neglect, our neglect of good and holy priests and popes and bishops, our neglect of our spiritual lives, our neglect of our families, our neglect of actually understanding what the heck Catholics actually believe when they talk about the faith. But I'm confident, and I want to leave you with this. There will be a triumph of the Immaculate Heart. We know this. Our Lady has told us so. We don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know what it looks like, but we know that is what will happen. One day, Pope Francis, all of his ilk, Bishop Strickland, myself, you, all of us will go to our eternal reward. And we will be either told, well done, my good and faithful servant, or I do not know you. Even if we've professed, Lord, Lord, I do not know you. This is why, even if your father is abusive, even if he is a petty tyrant, we have an obligation, Catholics, to love and to pray for Pope Francis. To offer fasting and abstention and prayer for him and for all of these priests and cardinals and bishops who are changing the church into the will of one man, not the will of God, but the will of one man. We cannot close our hearts to that. 
We cannot close our hearts to people who hurt us and harm us in such ways. So please, I beg of you. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be a mad trad, you know. It's okay. But it's not okay to stay there. Anger needs to move us to justice. Anger inspires action that moves us to justice. Nobody, this is not the Middle Ages. We're not going to cause a mob and go storm St. Peter's. Wouldn't recommend that, by the way. But prayer is real. It's efficacious. It works. The point of prayer is to conform ourselves to the life of Christ. And if Christ is asking us to suffer well, if he's asking Bishop Strickland to suffer well, then that is the will of God. And we may storm heaven for different outcomes. God is a great, merciful, and loving father. He listens. But fundamentally, we must be prepared to suffer. The slings and blows of those who should be proper authorities and proper fathers to us. It is funny to me that 50 years, 40 years after it was written, open letter to confused Catholics feels like it was written three weeks ago still. And it should make us pause and wonder if some of the problems, the grave problems that men like Archbishop Lefebvre pointed out, it should make us wonder if they were far more correct than we ever want to admit. Well, I hope to have Bishop Strickland on, but please keep him in your prayers. Keep Pope Francis in your prayers. Keep me in your prayers, all of us, as we go through this chastisement together. Until the next one, God bless you and may I keep you. Adios.